Paula's tall. Oh, you know what? For Joe, I'm gonna have to move this down here. Sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, uh, Joe, who I'm about to introduce, uh, I have worked with for many decades. So I love Joe. I was so pleased that Larry Stone asked me to come do an introduction uh, for Joe this morning. He's a little nervous, though. I can see. I can see he's shaking because. You know, we have this thing where I'm the youngster uh, turning, Joe, I'm turning 60 this year, believe it or not. So I'm the youngster, so he's worried I'm going to introduce him, you know, as the co-inventor of fire or something <laughs> like that. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that, Joe, I promise. So, Hey, and by the way, Joe is, uh, would you call yourself a New Yorker or a New Jerseyer? I don't know which it is. It's all, yeah, it's the, it's the greater New York area. <laughs> he's from Jersey, come on, guys. So, but he's like the uh, quintessential New Yorker, and yeah, he's been in New Jersey for many, many decades, and Joe has just moved here to Franklin with his lovely wife, Tammy. She's wonderful, and they uh, literally, like, what, seven weeks ago, something like that, just uh, settling in a new house. So we welcome Joe to the uh, the community here and just, just love that you're here, Joe. So I've worked with Joe, you know, in radio promotions um, and in media buying uh, for radio for many, many years. And uh, it's just a pleasure to introduce him. So I'm going to read what Joe asked me to say about him. Okay. <laughs> uh, Joe Battaglia is a uh, broadcaster, producer, and author. Uh, with a journalism background, he's uh, published the first Christian magazine for New York in 1973. And later, uh, later he launched his career in Christian radio, eventually becoming general manager of WWDJ in New York. Joe, how did they miss, it could have been WWJD. It's, it's the other way around. Very, well, you can tell that story. So, so currently, he is the founder and president of Renaissance Communication, whose mission statement is to uh, provide media platforms for gifted communicators <clears throat> of biblical truth. And over the last 20 years, Joe's been involved in the promotions of successful faith-based films, such as The Passion of the Christ, War Room, I Can Only Imagine, and recently, The Jesus Revolution. Uh, Joe's also the executive producer of the nationally syndicated radio program, Keep the Faith, which, by the way, is the number one faith-based radio show in the nation. It's currently, uh, he is also on the board of uh, the National Religious Broadcasters and Way Media. And then finally, whew, this is a lot of stuff, Joe. Uh, he is the author of six books, including The Politically Incorrect Jesus and Unfriend, Finding True Community in a Disconnected Culture. This is Joe Battaglia, everybody. Please welcome him. I needed it even lower. <laughs> well, well, good morning, guys. Um, let me hear that again. Good morning, gentlemen. That's the respect I deserve. <laughs> okay. Well, it is fun to be here. Um, I've been part of NCS 
for many, many years up in the New York area. And so this is not an unknown factor to me. I really have enjoyed my time with uh, all the brothers, as uh, they say up there. And this is just another wonderful example of what God has done to assemble men to be with each other and enjoy each other's company. And so I just say thank you for inviting me. Um, I was released and vetted uh, in order to be able to leave New Jersey and come down to Tennessee. Uh, I, you know, they redline guys like me uh, <laughs> down here. And so uh, I just left uh, the Pennsylvania line when I left Jersey and uh, said goodbye and haven't looked back. Uh, I've been coming down to Nashville and Franklin for almost 40 years now with uh, the music industry and everything else I've been involved in. And so I've always loved it down here. Uh, and now I get to spend my time and do a lot of things and be with some friends that I've made. And so I just love this community. <clears throat> Someone asked me, well, how's it like living in Franklin? Because they know it's much, much different than North Jersey. <laughs> and so, <laughs> amen. And um, I said, well, it's like being in the middle of a Norman Rockwell movie. I mean, that's really what it's like. And you walk the streets and everybody is civil and kids are running around with their dogs barefoot and, <clears throat> you know, things like that. So it's just been a remarkable time to be here with my wife, uh, who is uh, my best friend and certainly uh, someone who enables me to be more civil. Uh, she's from Houston. So she knows a little bit more about that than I do. <clears throat> but I did take a Texas girl back to New Jersey for a while. And, sh and she uh, uh, was really delighted when, you know, God moved on us to say, well, maybe we should finally come down here. There are so many things going on. So anyway, um, I thank you for the privilege of your time this morning. I don't take that for granted seriously. And I appreciate everybody who comes out and, you know, says thank you by listening to what I have to say. And so um, what I want to talk about this morning is very simple. God's faithfulness. And I trust that by the end of the morning, you will get a sense of how faithful God is. And you may be going through any number of things today. And yet, there's one thing that I hope you hear and I can leave you with at all. And that is that God is faithful. Amen. He does come through with his promises. And I'm just going to take you on a little journey uh, through my 50 years of being involved in this space. Because it is nothing that I planned that got me here today to this meeting. Everything that I have accomplished, whatever that might be, is all because of God's grace. And you'll see why in a moment as I begin to unfold and unpack my life story. Because it's not about who I know, it's about the God I know. And if there's anything that I would want and pray for and leave you with, it's the ability to see God more clearly in your own life and the things that you have done, no matter who you are, no matter how you have lived your life and the things that you have accomplished or the things that you may not think you have accomplished. God has been there faithfully holding you through it all 
And so that's what I hope I leave you with this morning. And I'm also going to leave you with something this morning at the end. I'm going to suggest what God's will is for you. I've never met you, most of you. But I'm going to say this is God's will for you in your life. Because everybody sitting here wants to know what God wants of them during their lifetime. And most men that I've talked to over the years want that. They want to know that they have meant something, that they have accomplished something. And so we're going to go through that at the end. And so uh, that's what I hope I can leave you with this morning. And so, um, again, thank you for being here, and I appreciate it very much. So my story, <laughs> of course, now you know I grew up in North Jersey just outside New York City. And so, you know, all the stereotypes that you might think about <laughs> of those of us who stand on street corners, there's a malt shop, right? <clears throat> there are diners, which is where everybody goes after a date or whatever, you're out at night, um, or all those stereotypes of standing on street corners, um, arguing with people who seem to be angry, but they're not really, they're just Italian. And so, <laughs> you know, that's how I grew up. <laughs> and so, <laughs> it's always been a fun time to uh, hear all the jokes and all that people think about um, uh, that happens there, but I'm a product of that. My parents are immigrants, I'm a first generation, and so I grew up very Italian. You know, uh, the garden, the wine cellar, um, take your pick, the great food. Uh, I thought we ate like kings, uh, nobody ate better. Um, and so one uh, little story, uh, just to give you how all that unfolded, when I was about six or seven, um, we lived with my grandparents, my paternal grandparents, and my grandfather, you know, was in World War I, uh, tough as nails kind of guy. He looked like Luca Brazzi. And so um, one day we're paving the driveway and another guy who was another fellow Italian that uh, was there uh, doing the job, um, talking with my grandfather, laid the stone down. My grandfather says, stop, goes downstairs, gets a ruler sticks the ruler in the dirt and says, the stone is about half inch too, uh, too short. You need another, because my, seemed like everybody was a builder. Nobody had a degree, but everybody could build things. And so um, the foreman says, nah, you're crazy. They start arguing in Italian. I'm sitting there, I'm laughing. Now, I understand it because I had to grow up with it. And so they're going back and forth. It looks like another war is going to break out. But I know differently. That's just their method of communication. And so in Italian, my grandfather yells at him uh, in Italian uh, when the foreman says, it doesn't matter. He says, there's only one way to do the right thing. And I remember that to this day because he was so right. There is only one way to do the right thing. And when you do it, God smiles upon that with favor. And so I grow up in that environment. I head off uh, to Boston University. 
uh, got my journalism degree there. And so I didn't even know that I was going to go there. I was going to Rutgers on a scholarship. <clears throat> and then, so that was 68 to 72, I was in college. Um, the war was out, right? Broke out terribly there in the late 60s. And uh, guys were getting drafted. And uh, one of my father's clients, my dad was a shoemaker. So he sold them, he repaired them, he made them for people with deformed feet. And so one of his clients uh, said, well, your son should go to med school. And, you know, he would then qualify for uh, not being able to uh, have to go to war and, and all that. And so uh, uh, my dad said med school. And he came home and told me that. And I said, what, are you kidding me? Uh, who wants to go to med school? And, but my dad's client said, well, here, here's some information about Boston University, because that's where his son was going. And they had a great five-year med school program and so forth. <clears throat> and I said, wow. So I looked through the brochure, and I found out it had a great journalism school. And so I got accepted there. That's how I got to Boston University. Never thought about it, never knew about it. So that's step one. And by the way, it was at Boston University that I became a Christian through Campus Crusade for Christ. So the school that I was never planning to go to, that I had never heard about, is where I found my faith. So there's providential step number one, all right? So God was faithful even when I wasn't. And I love that verse in Thessalonians where Paul says that faithful is he that calls you and he will bring it to pass. The wonderful thing about that scripture is that it's not faithful is he that calls you and you will help God bring it to pass. <laughs> right? It's not about me being able to do anything. It's all about trusting that God has a plan for you that you are unfamiliar with at that time, but he is very familiar with it, and he wants to bring it to pass if we allow him and trust him to do that. And so continue to dwell on that verse as we go through this this morning. Faithful is he that calls you, not all of you or y'all, right? <laughs> you. God is always the God of the personal not the corporate. There is no corporate other than the entire body of Christ as one. And so there's only you and him, and he will bring it to pass for you as he does for the guy sitting next to you. And so that was my first lesson as a new Christian, that as I would reflect on that, um, wow. So I become involved with Campus Crusade back then on the campus. Um, and, you know, everything is just unraveling. You know, late 60s, some of you remember that, of course. And it was just crazy on the campus back then. And so um, I lived through all that <laughs> and make it through, get my degree, and um, go to what was called back then Explo 72. Right, Hank? Hank and I went to Explo. I don't know if anybody else um, in this uh, room went there at that time. Um, and so it was there um, that I heard 
uh, Bill Bright one night in the Cotton Bowl speak to all the students uh, who were there that day saying, uh, many of you are gonna be on staff with Campus Crusade, but there are some of you that need to go into the world in professions as journalists, at, and then he named, and I, and I felt God speak to me at that point, confirming that my responsibility was to go back and become a journalist, uh, because that's what I loved doing. And so I get to that point, I go back home, um, and I, I, you know, I have long stories upon long stories, so I have to shorten everything. And so I do that, and then God comes to me in my heart and in my spirit and says, this is what I'm going to do. I want you to start a Christian magazine for the New York area, because as I began to find out about things, I found out how disconnected the whole body of Christ was in New York. Uh, you might imagine, of course, a, a city that size, it's not easy, right, to get around. It never was easy to get around. It was never easy to find out information about everybody. And so um, I interviewed hundreds of pastors, ministry leaders, and whatnot, just to find out what the need was, and then started with no money, uh, the magazine. And so this was a dumb, dumb idea to most people who knew me. Stupid. You know, you go to college, you get this degree, and then, you know, you're going to, you know, win your Pulitzer for the New York Times. Um, but you start this magazine that nobody wants, that nobody cares about, um, and you don't get paid. And so I went to my dad and I said, you know, would you you know, allow me to do this? And he said in his broken English, I took care of you for 22 years, what's one more? <laughs> right? And that's the kind of family I had. But see, that's the kind of family God put me into in order to do the things that he was calling me to do. And so I chuckled at that and began put the magazine together. I have no idea how that happened, frankly. But God was what? What's our word for this morning? Faithful. Faithful. Let that ruminate in your spirit and resonate in your heart today. Faithful. Make that your word for the day. And so I start this magazine. <laughs> Don't make any money on it, but I wrote the whole thing myself. I did everything myself, the entire magazine. And it got me into many, many doors that I never would have gotten into. It, met, it enabled me to meet many, many people that I never would have met for a young guy my age that I was able to interview and get to know um, everybody from you know, John Stott and Corey Ten Boom to Eldridge Cleaver, the former Black Panther who was in exile um, and then went to France, became a Christian there in France, came back under a pardon, and I got to spend the day with him talking about God's faithfulness. And so 
the fun thing is that I'm doing this magazine for a year. So I launched it in 73. 1974, April 1st, WWDJ Radio was my favorite pop station at the time in New York. And it switches to a gospel format overnight. Nobody there was a believer. No one. And so I hear about it and do a story on the switch in my magazine, From Rock to the Solid Rock was the headline for that. And I just sit there and do the interviews and publish it and bring it back. And the general manager, who was Jewish, <laughs> called me a few days later and said, I'd like to buy you lunch. The magic words. I'd like to, I'd like to buy you lunch. <laughs> Uh, and what was I? I was like 23 at the time. And so <laughs> he offers me the job as their token Christian salesperson because he got the magazine and he saw all the work I had done and all the list of everybody there. That is how I got into radio. Really? I had never thought one day about radio. And so... I go home, I pray about it, I talk to my parents. They say, well, yeah, my dad says, oh, whatever you want to do. <laughs> he was pretty easy and laid back in that sense. Why? Because he saw that God had become faithful. I took him, I had to take him to Boston University when I was a senior. Because when I came back after my junior year, uh, when I became a believer, I said, hey, I, I just found Christ. Um, he said, what do you mean, Christ? On the college campus today, they're all communista. <laughs> he, he thought they were just, you know, agitators posing as Christians as a trap. He says, I'm coming up there. I got to see who you're with. I said, yeah, come on up. So we drive back, <clears throat> and my dad didn't drive, never drove. He and his brother, my uncle, who also lived with us, they both owned the same shop and they all drove together and they, anyway. So I drove him up. We sit in the church I was going to. If you're from Boston, anybody here, Ruggles Baptist Church, right there. So that's where we as the kids went with the staff of Crusade. So we walk into the church, we sit down, out comes the pastor, Larry McGill, my dad says, hey, I know him. I said, what do you mean you know him? How do you know him? He says, when I was repairing shoes in Ridgewood, New Jersey, he was on the street corner preaching in 1946, 47, something like that. Well, Larry McGill was a legend in North Jersey, built five four or five churches in North Jersey. Got called to Boston was pastoring that church. My dad sees him, meets all the kids, says, you're okay. These are real. So I got his approval. Now, how does that happen? Why? Because God is what? Faithful. And so anyway, that's how I get into radio. I didn't know a radio spot from a sunspot. I didn't care. I was a journalist. I love to write, still do. And so God is faithful and he brings us 
into the arena that he wants if we just relax and ask him, okay, let me look through your eyes and see what's happening in my life. It may be that that's where God wants you because he is preparing you for something you have no idea what it's about. But he is faithful and our job is to let him do it because he, he calls you and he brings it to pass. So I'm in radio now. And so um, the first thing we do a few months later in 1975 um, is come to Nashville. My first trip to Nashville. Um, there was uh, something called the Gospel Music Association that was putting on an event called the Gospel Radio Seminar. It was under their auspices. It was all Southern Gospel Radio guys. I attend that. Um, that was my first introduction to that kind of radio. And so look what happens. Uh, I get involved in that. And um, <laughs> uh, it was just foreign to me. The guys with Southern accents um, just talking about things, I had no idea what they were talking about. But I figured, well, this is an interesting trip. If God is faithful and calls this, then this must be something I should be involved in, right? Because he is what? Faithful. And he brings you into the situations he wants. And so I get introduced to Christian radio. <clears throat> and little do I know that we're at the nation stages of contemporary Christian music. Of course, it wasn't called that back then. That word really wasn't formed until later in the 70s. And so I get involved in that. Um, very nice people, wonderful people. So that was my introduction to Christian radio, right? And Christian music radio and talk teaching programs. So <clears throat> um, <clears throat> the, um, the music just continues to grow and it gets increasingly more popular, as you know. Um, and so I think that we should do a concert uh, and promote this Christian music we're beginning to play. And this is, you know, uh, at this point, like 1977. And, um, and uh, I say to my general manager, you know, we should, uh, you know, promote this music somehow. Why don't we do a concert? Um, and he says, sure, go ahead and produce a concert. So I've never produced a concert. Yeah, who cares? I'll figure it out. God is faithful. He will bring it to pass. And so, um, uh, Bob, you know, it was at Ram Bob Steele, my old pal from New Jersey there. Um, it was at Ramsey High School when Mustard Seed did Keggy in the spring of 77 that I attended. And it was Phil Keggy and his love in band. Now, many of you might know Phil. Um, and it... And that band was incredible. And so um, I said, wow, this is really some band when I saw it. And then six months later, I'm told to go produce a concert. I figure, well, let me, let me bring Phil Keggy in. He's great. And so um, I said, well, gee, now we need to hold it somewhere. What place needs the gospel the most? So I said, let's really go for it. So I went to uh, the Triple X Porno Theater in Passaic, New Jersey. <laughs> I 
I said, this place needs the gospel, needs a little light. And so um, I go there and I talk to the manager of the theater. And um, he said, well, who's the uh, band? I said, well, it's Phil Keggy and his Lovin' band. And he said, perfect. I said, no. <laughs> you really don't understand. <laughs> it's not what you think it might be. And so I explained to him what it is and what Christian music is about. See, I love those environments. I think that's where God meets us in remarkable ways. Um, and I just get a kick out of it. Just fun, because God brings it to pass. He wants to be where he is not. He wants to be in hearts that have not let him in. He's always wanting to be where he is not welcome. And so um, we, uh, we talk. I said, I have two things you got to do. You got to take out the triple X on the marquee and put in the band's name, and then you have to either take down the pictures of all the naked women, or you got to cover them up. So he said, sure. And so that night, it was an amazing concert. Phil was smoking that night. I mean, one of the best I've ever seen any concert. Um, and so I'm walking around, because everything I do normally when I produce anything is, you never sit down. Right? There's always something to look at. You read the crowd and so forth, see how they're enjoying it. And so I go backstage. I want to see what the stagehands are doing because these guys see everything. Well, they're smoking grass back there. <clears throat> and um, <laughs> I got to like the aroma at Boston University. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I never smoked, but I always inhaled, <laughs> which might explain a few things today. Um, and so, you know, everything is wafting through the backstage, the aromas, and um, I'm, but I'm standing there and I'm watching these guys mesmerized by Phil Keggy's professionalism and music. And God spoke to my heart that day, and he said that this music is going to change lives. And it has. Here we are almost 50 years later, right? And so um, that was another amazing opportunity to see God's faithfulness. So I got involved in the contemporary Christian music scene early on, all the artists. Um, my next concert after that in 78, March of 78, was with Keith Green. Worked a number of times with Keith, became good pals with him, because everybody became pals back then. There were so few of us. And so... Um, Everybody that you can name, all those old artists, everybody knew each other. We'd stay at each other's homes. I mean, I had Carmen when I was one of the first guys to do a guy like Carmen, because we met at a GMA event uh, in 82, because I was the only other Italian he could find. <laughs> from Jersey, as you know, that's where he was from. And so um, he came and stayed with my wife and I um, and it's those kinds of relationships grew. And so here we are. Uh, this whole thing becomes so big and huge that being a part of it early on, you wonder, well, gee, how did that happen? I had no idea. I never planned any of this, right? That's the whole point. When you don't plan things that God interrupts your life with, don't get annoyed 
sit back and say, hmm, is this a godly plan? Relax and believe that faithful is he that calls you and he will bring it to pass. So that may be exactly where you should be rather than where you think you should be. And so fast forward, I get into that environment that becomes the Christian music thing. I get elected to the board of the Gospel Music Association in 1979. I was kind of the first person who was from a contemporary environment, let's call it that, other than Southern Gospel, elected to the board of the GMA back then. And I did that for 20 years on the board and two as chairman, and we launched you know, the Dove Awards. Um, in, the, in that sense, it had been going on, but only as a, like a dinner event. Um, then it became you know, television and um, broadcasted on radio and so forth, and today it, it continues. So that was a fascinating time. <clears throat> and I was ascending the corporate ladder, if you will, at the radio station, eventually became the general manager that runs the station, uh, eventually uh, also bought into a radio station in Long Island with uh, a friend of mine um, who uh, was a mentor. Uh, I, I've got a lot of rabbit trails here, but I've got to end in a few minutes. So um, enough to say that as I continue to move along this continuum, of where God has been taking me. My life is changing radically all the time. I mean, it changed dramatically when I became a Christian. It continued to change as I began to see how God led me into these various things that I had no idea what I was doing. And so it becomes like an expectation that God is gonna do something. You have no idea what it's gonna be. You have no idea how it's gonna come out. And so let's just fast forward through this whole thing um, as God intervenes in ways that you really don't know. I mean, let's go uh, after now 30, well, in 1992, I started my company. I left the radio, day-to-day -day radio side and then started my company, Renaissance Communications, to work with the people I believed in. Because sometimes you get into a situation where you have to work with, even among Christians, none of you know that, of course, but you, <laughs> there are many times you're working with people that you really don't enjoy working with, let's put it that way. And so uh, I decided um, the owner of our radio station, we had gone through several ownerships, and so <clears throat> um, the owner uh, passed away and his son took over, who was a Harvard MBA but not a believer. And so um, he thought he could run a radio station, but he was kind of shady in one sense. He replaced the president uh, when he was in a hospital and he did a power grab on, with the board. Uh, and so I really didn't like that because the president was a wonderful guy. So I could see where he was going what they teach you, I guess, at Harvard is how to dumb down something so that you can sell it. Uh, <laughs> and so I could see that coming. Um, and so um, I, we were sitting one day and he said, we were disagreeing on something once again, and he said, well, you don't think I should be president of this company? So he was younger than me. 
And I said, well, of course not. The only reason you're the president is because you're the owner's son. Um, now, don't ask a Jersey guy for your opinion unless you're really prepared to hear the truth. Because it takes so much energy to think of something not true. Why not just say it and spare yourself the energy? <laughs> so um, he literally does this. I said, well, what kind of response is that? You know, you should get up there, start swinging, I don't know. <clears throat> and so I kind of pat him on the back and say, it's okay, don't worry about it. I'm gonna uh, do an exit strategy for myself. So the, you know, I didn't spend 18 years of my life making this station what it is just to dump it. And so I did that. He was happy, couldn't believe it. I don't think they have that scenario in his, uh, his learning. <laughs> there at Harvard. So anyway, I do that. I leave it, start my own company. Uh, and that's been 31 years ago. Faithful is, and I, I had no idea what I was doing other than I was supposed to leave and start that to provide what? Media platforms for gifted communicators of biblical truth. That's my mission statement. And so that's what I do. I build platforms. It's like my grandfathers. They were builders. <laughs> so I guess I'm a builder too. It's in the DNA. Either do that or you plant vegetables. I can do both. <laughs> so um, started the company. Fast forward, there's so many stories I have of ways in which God intervened to keep me going all these 30 years with something I had no idea what I was doing. But the faith film industry develops. I get into that 20 years ago. That's another thing that I had no idea. I mean, who knows what that is 50 years ago, other than Billy Graham doing his movies, right? And so one story there, and then I'll begin to wrap it up. Um, to show you how faithful God is when you are in the land that he prepares you for. Okay, the pandemic hits a couple years ago. I help market movies. Okay, where's the disconnect here? <laughs> Nobody's going to the movies, right? And Brian, you certainly understood that well. Um, and so I'm thinking, well, okay, faithful is he that calls me. He will bring it to pass. Well, then God, it's not my problem then. You, if you don't want me to have a company anymore, fine. You know, but... Let's see what you're gonna do. So I'm looking at it with anticipation. My staff is saying, what are we gonna do? And I'm saying, I have no idea. Let's see what God does, because I'm not really worried about it. My accountant calls me, other than getting a PPE or PPP back then, right? Um, my accountant calls me one day and says, you just got a $90,000 tax refund. I said, $90,000. When did we ever pay $90,000 over, <laughs> over the last 20 years? I, that much. My accountant didn't know how we got a $90,000 tax refund. And I certainly wasn't gonna call the government and say, by the way, can you explain this to me? <laughs> and so what? I just sat there and chuckled. Faithful is he that calls you, and he will bring it to pass. So 
I suspect that some of you are going through that issue today of you have no idea what's going to happen next, tomorrow, next year. You're wondering, well, what is it? How do I handle it? And so I'm here to tell you simply that the only thing I can tell you and the only thing we are commanded to say is that faithful is he that calls you and he will bring it to pass. If you can dwell on that and relax in that, things will happen that will build your faith because you did not have your hand in it. Something Bill Bright once told me, who was the founder of Campus Crusade, uh, when I interviewed him for uh, a thesis I was doing um, in journalism school, uh, he, I said, well, Bill, how, do you, how did all this happen? He said, well, we do things so big at Crusade that only God can get the credit and not man. And I've, you know, had that in my heart all these years. Uh, and so that's what goes through my mind and through my heart every day. Faithful is he that calls us and he will bring it to pass. And so I promise to say, uh, I'm going to tell you uh, God's will for you. Most people come up to me and as we talk, younger people in particular, and they want to know, well, how do I know God's will for my life? Everybody wants to know that, right? I said, well, you know what God's will is? You are God's will. Because God's will is not what you do. It's who you are. It has nothing to do with what you do. It has everything to do who you are. And the only way you become who you are is to be in Jesus and keep close to him. And that is God's will for you. And then the rest will happen. Because why? He is faithful. He is faithful. My favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20, come right after that great verse in 17 that says we are all new creations in Christ. Well, those two verses right after it give us our jobs and our job description. What's Paul say? We are ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation. You know the great thing about an ambassador? They're sent not to fix the country they're in, but to represent the country they're from. Too many of us are busy trying to fix everything. Our wives, our kids, our bosses, our friends, the guy next to you. We're not about fixing things. We're about representation. So today, as you leave this, I trust that faithfulness will resonate in your heart. And I hope that anything I've said enables you to sense that God's presence in your life can be in Israel and that you will become faithful to God's word and to Jesus and then sit back and watch what happens when you become God's will and not with what you do. Amen. 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 Let, me, let me pray for us. Father, we are grateful for your word and all that it promises us and we commend ourselves to you. Every guy in this room, may his heart 
be ready and open to receive what you have for each person individually that is unique to them. May your faithfulness be present in their lives as well. And may they be faithful to your word and to you, Jesus. And we come in your name and ask. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.